If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, seven minutes after 10. Thank you so much for being with us on this Wednesday, the 30th, and I'll say it again, penultimate morning of the month of December in the year of our Lord 2020. So thank you for being with us. Thanks again to Congressman Bill Johnson. I hope it was clear what I was trying to say to the Congressman. I don't disagree with the need for the $2,000. I don't disagree um, with the you know National Defense Authorization Act you know needing to be passed, so they overrode the president's veto. I do disagree with doing both of those things, uh, knowing that there are a lot of other bad things being done at the same time. He's right though when he said that the president, through the Treasury Secretary, said this is what we want: combine the nine hundred billion dollars with the omnibus spending bill, have a you know a couple trillion dollar monstrosity, and put it together. Then they did it, and he said, "No, I don't want it." I, I, I guess what I'm saying is I agree with President Trump the second time around, not the first time around. When he when he said, secondly, look, we need to pass this bill with $2,000 for every American worker. They need this help. But we need to do it as a standalone, not as a, uh, you know, in conjunction with the other bill and with the extra spending. So uh, that's that's the, the, the difficulty here. So if you want to respond to that, please do so at 216-901-0945 or 888 Eleven ten. The other story that I talked about in the opening monologue is uh, the you know six year old story of Tamir Rice. It has been investigated. It has been turned upside down and inside out for every single which way uh, by local, by state, and by federal officials. And six years later, the truth still is the truth that the officers did no criminal uh, wrong, or there were there were no criminal wrongdoings on the part of the officers. Let's put it that way. For some reason, yeah. Shouldn't say for some reason. We know the reason. Abject greed on the part of the lawyers representing the Rice family and the extraordinary narrative, the anti-police narrative from those on the uh, you know, social justice uh, left, the American social justice left that has decided that cops hate black people and they shoot them for no reason. And we need another example of that. We need another victory in that front. Uh, it is uh, embarrassing. 
It is dangerous. It is political as much as it is anything else. But they ripped that scab off the wound again by announcing yesterday that there will be no federal charges, civil rights violation charges, or anything else against the officers in the Tamir Rice case that is now six years old. My big problem here isn't with the federal Department of Justice, obviously. My big problem is the way the media is continuing to portray this. I gave you a number of instances in the first three paragraphs of the Associated Press coverage of this. I'm going to give you just one more because, again, it's just, you know, quite frankly, it's infuriating. In this case, writes the AP, the Justice Department said poor quality surveillance video recorded in the area where the shooting took place prevented prosecutors from being able to conclusively determine whether Rice was or was not reaching for his toy gun. This is how they cover this, toy gun just prior to being shot. And in case you missed it, listen again. The two different or excuse me, the two officers who were investigated told authorities soon after the shooting that Rice was reaching for his toy weapon prior to being shot and was given multiple commands to show his hands. They used the word toy literally about ten words apart, twice. Toy weapon, toy gun. Trying to make the un you know informed reader <clears throat> or viewer or listener, depending on which medium is, is being used here, trying to make them think that it was clearly a toy. Like I said, that it was you know a bright fluorescent yellow Nerf gun, or that it was uh, uh, one of those green um, water guns, you know, where you put the soap in the top and it shoots bubbles. It's a toy gun, or it's a, it's a Buzz Lightyear ray gun. They want you to think it's a toy. It's a replica look-alike. Handgun for crying out loud. It has been proven time and again, as noted prior to, and I want to be redundant here, but in the first half hour or first half hour of the program, that several Cleveland police officers put together kind of a gun lineup, uh, you know, nine real guns and one toy gun and dared people to pick out the toy gun and nobody can because they're replicas. They're identical. The only thing that identifies it as a pellet gun would be the orange tip that is supposed to be left on the gun that wannabe gangbangers, wannabe thugs, remove so that they can flex on their real-looking gun. It worked. He wanted people to think it was real when he was pointing it at their heads and at passing cars, and it worked. They did think it was real, and the police officers responding accordingly. And here, like I said, in the year 2020, in which this, the the idea of police officers having some sort of a problem shooting minorities at every turn it has been exacerbated and exaggerated beyond any reasonable understanding whatsoever to bring this back up again now is just beyond uh irresponsible particularly the way the media continues to push the agenda okay I want to go back to the phones. We'll go to Matt, who's calling us from Lorraine on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience there, Matt. I appreciate it. You're on the air. Go ahead. Thanks, Bob. You know, the, the stuff that never comes up in these situations are the tactical responses that the police have to take into account when approaching. You know, it's a wide-open area in the Tamir Rice case, so they have to bring their cover with them should it resort to that their vehicle. They also have to worry about a, a protracted uh, shootout, should this have been a real case, and you have the, the rapid station right across the street, there's Madison Avenue, Detroit Avenue, there's an apartment building right there, so 
so they have to worry about errant rounds and uh, through and, and through. And the rec center itself, right, Matt? If I and may, the, the rec, rec center, center itself, itself, which has a bunch of youths in it, right. Right. So they have to take all this into account within the split seconds of arrival and adjust their tactical response accordingly. And the, the other thing with, like, uh, uh, the Brown case, people say, well, unarmed, unarmed. Yeah, he might be unarmed until the police arrive. Then everybody has a potential to be armed. Because it even came well, out. Well, not, not, even, not, even, not even just a potential, but because I remember covering this on the air during all of those years when this uh, nonsense was going on, too. Specifically, he attempted to arm himself by taking the officer's gun from him. He reached and into the I'm car saying. and literally had his hand on it. That's why I know you are. I just want to clarify for listeners. <clears throat> it's not like, well... There's a gun present, so therefore everybody has the potential to be armed. It wasn't as if, you know, just, you know, that, that, um, uh, uh, benign, if you will. He reached for it and had his hand on it, which is what led to the first shooting inside the car. And then, of course, uh, when he, when he charged him the second time. So it was very clear that this unarmed shooter, or excuse me, this unarmed suspect in trying to arm himself was therefore a lethal threat to the officer. I'm sorry, continue. No, those were the points I wanted to bring out that are, are so often left out and nobody wants to bring up. No, and they don't. You're a thousand percent right. <clears throat> and these are decisions that have to be made at, at the scene within a matter of seconds where people have, in this case, years to go back and try to armchair quarterback. And it just doesn't work right. that way. Well, you know, it's it's whenever there is like body cam video or surveillance video, that's the other thing too. They armchair quarterback it literally from their armchairs on their little iPads or their phones or their laptops, and they see it in slow motion and say, "Well, look at that. He could have done this. Look at that. He should have done that." Rather than in the less than one eighth of a second that the officer has to actually make the decision in in real time. That's and and that's what the media media should be doing is presenting the information the way you just did rather than the you know toy gun poor family poor kid six years 12 but they put up a picture of him at age six trying to make him look as least uh you know least uh, dangerous or or intimidating as possible all of that stuff just goes on to demonize the police and i won't have it i just won't allow it to to go unresponded to and they they put out warnings to police all the time uh real glocks that are painted to look like squirt guns to to give the officer pause before acting. And the, these types of things where they, they try to um, sabotage the police and their response by saying, well, uh, or showing up with a, a gun that's painted to look like a fake gun, uh, but happens to be real. I mean, the, these types of bull bulletins are put out to police all the time and so it's yeah i i, I know that are, and that is so important i do i do and i'm so glad to hear you say it are you an officer uh almost 30 years i kind of figured uh and and me We've talked before, so I apologize for that, because I kind of figured from the point you were coming from, and I'm glad to hear you kind of echo the stuff that I, as a citizen, a civilian, uh, am trying to say. I talked to enough cops to learn enough about this to uh, to try to explain myself, but it's good to hear you and your authoritative, your 30 years of experience on the force, kind of explain what we're talking about. No, And I love the part two. They said, why did they roll up right on them in the vehicle there? And the reason why is exactly what you just said. They're responding to a gun call from... 
uh, a caller who said he's pointing it at people and scaring the bejesus out of people, and it's in a wide open area. If you can't approach him with cover of a tree or cover of you know a building or cover of something else when you're trying to assess the situation, you bring your car into play, and that is your cover if, in the event, uh, there is you know there are bullets that start flying. So all of these things that people that people don't know, civilians don't know, but that you guys know, we absolutely need to get out there, and I'm so glad to have you do that. And I tell people that they want to question this stuff all the time, leave your cubicle, go put on the vest, go do a ride along, or go to the academy and then go show us how it's done. Amen. Amen. Officer, thank Thanks, you all. Bob. I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for calling and, and clarifying all of that. I appreciate it. God bless. Thank you. All right. That's Matt and Lorraine. Let's go from there to Todd in Cleveland on AM 1420, The Answer. Hey, Todd, go right ahead. Oh, Bob. So... Yo- here, here's what here's what I take issue with as far as what what we do how we're responding to this pandemic. In 1946, the Center for Disease Control was separated from the Department of Health and Human Resources, Health and Human Services, and became its own entity by itself. Its job is to control disease and eradicate disease. They had they understood the value of infectious disease researchers because they were fighting polio and measles aggressively. Okay, mm-hmm. and as the population grew, the infectious disease researchers should have grown, and the, the quality of those researchers should have grown. We could have been on top of this as a, as a community, meaning the United States of America, as, the, um, as a clear function of civic-minded employment of the people that work for the Center for Disease Control and as a better educated public if what we were doing was teaching the value of the 454-plus, at this point, federal agencies through the taxpayer-funded neighborhood public schools, meaning teaching civics. This is one of the things that civics gives benefit to, awareness. And, and then where you have awareness, you have engagement. And I'm watching people that are going to get this money, and they deserve it, okay? But I'm also watching that I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing or reading enough conversation about what it needs to be done in order to prevent it from happening again, other than trashing the president or trashing the previous president when the Center for Disease Control started in 1946, and they still have a weak appreciation from the public. You follow me, Bob? Uh, to an extent, I do. Um, I, I, I don't. You're gonna have to tie them together for me again about civics if and the understanding better, of the CDC. The CDC is part of the Federal Registry. It's a taxpayer-funded yes. entity. Okay. No, understanding the Center for Disease Control requires you to understand some degree how civic-minded government, which is um, paid by the taxpayer, exists. This is one of them. And if you have an awareness of it, then you'll have a better appreciation to be engaged with its activities. And if you have a better appreciation of to be engaged with its activities, you'll be better engaged in the things that people need to be knowledgeable of, such as infectious diseases, you know, and worked aggressively to prevent them from being problems in our country. There are people going to take this money and just blow it. And they're going to be like, man, the government needs to be on top of that next time. But they don't know what to be on top of because they don't appreciate any of the 454 federal agencies because well, they weren't taught the value of it through the taxpayer-funded neighborhood public schools. I, I don't disagree with any of what you just said. It's just that I, I don't know that their quote-unquote appreciation of it is going to change any of the um, accountability for it in those agencies, and in particular in the CDC. Here, here's the thing that I would say in, in, in response, uh, Todd, and it's not in disagreement. It's just kind of uh, to, to uh, follow it up. 
my wife always talks about it this way too. You have to be, and when it comes to your own personal health situation, you have to be your own best advocate because right. medicine is not foolproof. We seem to think that when we see a lab coat and a stethoscope, they got this. They're going to know exactly what's wrong and how to fix it. And it's a mistake for us to think that because they oftentimes don't. As a matter of fact, medical error is one of the leading causes of death in this country each and every year. And so you have to be your own personal advocate when you, when it comes to looking for what is wrong with you. You might have to consult many medical professionals and even do some of the research on your own. That's micro. What you're saying is macro. And I, and I think you're right. Um, but we have to understand that those people in the CDC and in many of those federal agencies you're talking about are not any more uh, able to fix the problem on the macro scale than your doctor was trying to diagnose the right thing before you ended up croaking uh, you know, on, on, on your own personal level. We can't trust them just because they are in the Centers for Disease Control and think, well, this is the best we've got. They know what's going on. Oftentimes they don't. And even if our best educational systems and civics teaching and so on and so forth uh, you know, to- told us to-, to be more mindful of what these people are doing. I don't think it's going to be able to change it because at the end of the day, they're humans and they're flawed and they make mistakes and there are things they don't understand either, which I think We're this virus is the same is thing. I'm, I'm saying it. I know we are. You That's why to, I said it's not to, to disagree with you. It's just to embellish on what you said. That, don't get off the I'm air saying. without talking about Pollock. Don't get off the air about talking about Pollock being released by... Who being released? Pollock, who was released to, to um, Israel, the naval, the guy that sold the, um, the um, oh, arms. Oh, oh, oh I got you. I got you. All okay, right. I'll, I'll try to get to that in the, in the last half hour of the program. Thanks, Todd. I appreciate your call. Good. I always love talking to Todd. He's a very, very intelligent and astute caller. We don't always agree. I love when we do. Uh, we'll be right back. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. That's what it is every day, all day. All right, not all day, but until 11 o'clock every day. Then it's Gallagher. Yeah, if I'm filling in for Prager, or if I'm filling in for Hewitt, or if I'm filling in for Elder, it feels like all day. Uh, but yeah, every day, certainly until 11. Then you do get Gallagher, and then some Kirk, and then some Prager, then some Gorka, then some Seculo, then some Elder. Stay here on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's go to uh, North Olmstead, BJ, on AM 1420, The Answer. Hello, sir. Go right ahead. Thank you, Bob. Um, I'd like to thank Marcy for her courtesy when she answered the phone, and and you have had an amazing year in talking to the public, and I'm glad you're going to be on these other programs so more people can hear your voice. You've been a very, very you, fine sir. guide, and as much I said you were a warrior, you have been a true a warrior of the American Constitution and caring about the people, and I thank you for that. If I may, I am a very optimistic. I, I have been most of my life, and I want to leave this world being an optimistic person when that time comes. This year, 2020, has just been the year of the awakening. Hang on to your hat, really, for 2021. The diversity of things that are going to be coming up and facing the public and facing us both politically and spiritually in our own lives is going to be something that's going to be in biblical proportions, in my opinion. And the reason I say biblical is because the Bible is really a book of history of mankind's uh, living. It's been a real guide from what happened way back in history in different cultures. But because of my optimism, 
I do believe there's going to be an awakening in Americans uh, and around the world. What happened with our government giving all this money away that could have gone to the American public has shown the criminality of our political system and the way they think. And there's going to be an awakening with that, too. And there are going to be a lot more women in the Congress and in the Senate than there have been ever before. And I think it's going to be the year of the women that are going to stand up and become more aware of what's taking place and be a real voice. They're going to be the mothers of America again. And I appreciate that. God bless you this coming year and your listeners. And I, I really, really am very proud to know you and have your voice on the air. Have a wonderful, wonderful New Year. Thank you, Bob. What a one. Thank you, BJ. What a wonderful message. What an inspirational message, an uplifting message. I hope there is a great awakening. I hope everything that BJ just said is is possible, and it is possible. With with you know, and I'm, I'm I, I, sometimes I hate to do this because I feel so out of sorts speaking, you know, as, as if I was a religious authority figure when I was going to say, "With God, all things are possible." But I believe that I do, and uh, and that does you know, it doesn't mean we don't have to do it for ourselves. God isn't going to just you know, step out of the role of, of you know, creator that gave us free will and move the chess pieces around the board himself. He's not going to do that. But when I say God, with God, all things are possible. He has given us the ability to maneuver what needs to be maneuvered in order to bring about those wonderful positive changes BJ just made up or just listed for us. Okay, that's all I'm going to do for now. We're going to take a quick, quick time out, get some news, right back to you with more phone calls on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-five. We roll twenty-five minutes of outstanding, awesome left in this broadcast. We will be live tomorrow. FYI, Doctor Everett Piper will be with us tomorrow. Jack Windsor will be with us tomorrow. I was hoping to catch up with Jack today because he has done some great work for uh, the Ohio Star online newspaper, uh, of which he is the managing ed- managing editor. You know how Mike DeWine continues to come to the podium. He didn't this week, um, but to tell us how the hospital hospitals are filling up, the ICU beds are filling up, there's no more room, we've got to continue the curfew, we've got to lock down this, we've got to crack down that, we've got to keep hiding our faces, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Jack did some, some legwork, uh, and I'm talking about serious digging into the data to unearth the real trend in statewide hospital capacity and in each of Ohio's eight hospital preparedness regions. Based on the numbers found on the COVID dashboard, between December 1st and December 15th, cases did not increase statewide by 23%. They dropped statewide by 23%. Hospitalizations did not spike. They dipped by only 1%, but still that's a big difference from dipping 1% and rising 20%. Deaths decreased by 35%. Now, why does this matter? Well, between December 1st and December 15th, that would be the two-week period immediately following Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, we were told, was the super spreader. 
everybody was going to get together and gather together and do all of these things, and it was going to create a ton more cases. No, cases dropped. It didn't happen. The percentage change was not calculated beyond December 15th, as the Ohio Department of Health has repeatedly advised that numbers take about two weeks to settle, except for numbers reported on the hospital key indicator page, which is updated daily. So all of the information that uh, they gathered is online right now at the Ohio Star webpage, theohiostar.com. The headline is fewer COVID patients in hospitals, ICUs, and on ventilators in almost every region in Ohio. In other words, the opposite of what we're being told by the fear-monger-in-chief the little Napoleonic tyrant, Mike DeWine. So Jack Windsor will be on with us to talk about that tomorrow. We'll go to the phones, back uh, back to the phones now, rather, and we'll uh, hit Middleburg Heights next. Bob, you're on AM 1420. The answer, go right ahead. Uh, Good morning, Bob. Uh, This Tamir Rice thing I was reading on AOL this morning, Mm -hmm. they had a report that claims that the fellow who called in the police report was drinking beer. That's what I read this morning, too, for the first time. Now, if this is true, now, now this fellow is responsible for Tanamir Rice's death, the way I see it. I mean, that's a false police report, if he was drunk, which they can't prove. Or, again, was he maybe paid by his Tamir's mother's attorney to say that? I don't know. And AOL should take some responsibility well, it's not just AOL. The- it's not just AOL. This is the Associated Press. All AOL probably did <laughs> was run the uh, the Associated Press story because that's what I have in front of me with a local arena. May well be, may well be. But should, I yeah. mean, here again, shouldn't the Cleveland Police Department be going after these people for for slander? I mean, this is ridiculous. And these officers, personal, I think they should go after these people for slander. Uh, I I totally agree. Uh, well, you can't you can, they can't say sl- you can't say slander because you would have to prove malicious intent to defame uh, somebody. And I don't know that pointing out or or alleging that this individual was drinking beer um, is an is is an attempt to do that. But what I find just you know repugnant here, uh, Bob, is that this this case is six years old, and I have followed it very closely, particularly in the first three years or so of the investigations and the uh, you know from the state, from the county, from the city, from the police department itself, and from the Department of Justice in 2014, 2015, 2016, which was Barack Obama's Department of Justice. They came at those officers with everything they could to find something to make them criminally criminally liable, and could not. But in all of that time. <clears throat> Never once did I read in any report that the person who made the 911 call had been drinking beer. This is brand that's new what, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and That's and, what and, I'm getting at. If this is false information, that is slander. That's an outright lie. Yeah, well, I don't know if it is false it's, information. That's the point, though. I mean, maybe he was, but here's the thing. He was interviewed by the police. None of there was, and by and by uh, prosecutors, none of them gave any indication that he was slurring words, that he was in any way incapacitated or impaired at all. He spoke clearly when he made his phone call to the dispatcher. Uh, that has been released. There is no yeah, indication what whatsoever. Understand. Yeah, yeah. How did they find this out? And I mean, I think the article I read even said he was drinking beer at the time of the call. So was this man, you know, publicly intoxicated? Or again, you can't if you can't prove here again, they need to prove he's drunk or they're liable for slander. It's an outright lie. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, but but here's the thing: they didn't say he was drunk. They didn't say he was drunk. 
They said that well, he had been drinking beer, which you know, which is a big difference, of course, because you can have been drinking beer and not be drunk and not be impaired. It's kind of like you know the the drunk driving. It's point oh eight. You know, they're not saying he was impaired. They just said he had been drinking beer, and that is clearly the Associated Press. This is what I've been griping about all morning. The Associated Press trying to discredit uh, the, the you know the the case uh, by saying that the person who called nine one one didn't know what he was talking about. He may have been drunk. May have been because he was drinking beer. It's all an attempt to discredit, uh, you know, the case in order to say that, see, the police didn't even have any reason whatsoever. They listened to a drunk guy make a 911 call and then came up and shot a black kid just because he was black. That's the that's the story they're trying to tell. I guess so. I don't know. Like I said, it just I, I feel that the police need some form of uh, retribution or however you want to call it. Like I said, these men have been. God knows what they've been put through, and again, if this with this false information and this narrative that the police are taking is it's just ridiculous. Yeah. Well, they're, what they've been put you through know? is their lives have been essentially ruined. You know. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I, I feel well. that. Like I said, yeah. they need to go after someone. I, I, I wish one of these attorneys would step up and say, "Hey, we'll represent you. We're going to go after these people and straighten this out." So said, you can't make the, again. This is a false accusation. That's all there is to it, in my well, mind. The media, the media is bulletproof. You know, I mean, seriously, with this mm-hmm. much, and 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 I, and I know I'm getting off into a different area here when I say with the kind of stuff that they've done, the negligence that the media has uh, has uh, displayed in their coverage of you know the presidency for the last four years. Oh, absolutely. I know it's a different area, but it's, they they feel like they are untouchable, uh, and for all intents and purposes, they kind of are. They can write what they want, and nobody is going to. And you know, here's the other thing. You know what they do? Uh, just to, to finish this, Bob. If somebody threatened them with a lawsuit, you know what they would do is print a retraction. They'd say, um, it has not been proven, or uh, there's no evidence, it has only been rumor, or whatever, True. that the individual who made the call had been drinking. And they'll say, see, we corrected it. And guess what? You know as well as I do. The correction is read by about one-fiftieth the number of people who actually read the, real, the story in the, you know, the original sure. story sure. That, where they made the allegation. They'll, they'll put a correction on page F15, you know, in three days from now, and say, well, see, we made it right. No, you didn't, but that's what they would get away with. Bob, I appreciate the call, well, my friend. Thank you. Okay. Uh, th- thanks for the call. Let me go to Berea next and Gary on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Gary. Hey, Bob. Um, I wanna, first of all, I want to thank you for all that you've done uh, in, in providing in, uh, your radio listeners with accurate uh, information for the year. I, you've worked very, very hard. You're definitely one of God's saints, and uh, and I mean that wholeheartedly. Oh. No, and, no uh, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> I'm the farthest thing from a saint, yeah. but I'm doing my best. That's well, all I can say. I'm doing my best. That's yeah, all any of us can do, right? You you are definitely one of God's saints. I do not retract that one one bit. Listen, Bob, one of the things I've never heard about with this Tamir Rice thing is he had that soft shell gun. And uh, you have to be 18 years old to buy one of those. Uh, nothing was ever nothing ever came out. Who provided that gun to Tamir? Because in, in my estimation, the person who provided that gun to Tamir is culpable for his death. 
Well, I don't know where he got it either, but what I can say is we know he know he wasn't being watched. Uh, he wasn't being raised by his mother. We know all of these stories. Uh, you know, all this information has come out. He was living with his grandmother, not his mother, uh, because essentially she was unfit. Um, you know, and and, and uh, the fact is nobody was watching him, and nobody was see, nobody knew what he had. Uh, if they did know he had this gun, why did he take the orange tip off of it? Uh, which of course makes it look like a lethal weapon and could put him in jeopardy. Nobody was looking out for that kid. He was being raised, you know, in a way in which basically he did what he wanted, which is why he would go down and hang out at a known gang hangout, which is outside that rec center where drugs are dealt and all kinds of other things, uh, you know, illegal things are done. And he went down there to play gangbanger. He's 12 and he can't wait to be brought into the next set. Um, and, and, and so, you know, where he got the gun, whether it be or the uh, fake gun, uh, the replica gun, let's call it what it is. It's a replica gun. Where he got that is unknown and never will be known. But the bottom line is he chose to use it in the way he chose to use it, uh, and, uh, and and he's responsible for what happened to himself. Well, state law still says you have to be 18 to acquire that gun. So yeah, I know. I know. Uh, yeah, I, I, I understand that. Uh, you might have, you have to be 18 to acquire it or to possess it or whatever, but uh, all I'm trying to say is yeah. we're never going to know where he got it uh, because he wasn't exactly being watched very closely by adult authority figures. And so, because if they had okay. been, they would have known, well, hey, you took the tip off of that, and why are you going down there? If you're going down to the rec center, leave that thing at home. You know, all of that stuff plays into it. But it, at the end of the day, my friend, and you know this as well as I do, um, they're going to find scapegoats for his death, and none of them are going to be the people in his inner circle. Anybody who provided him with a weapon or did not watch him or whatever, not going to be the scapegoats. The scapegoats are the caller who they're going to now call drunk, and then the police saw, and the dispatcher who said, who didn't tell the officers he might be a juvenile and that it might be a replica gun, and then the officers themselves. The scapegoat is always going to be somebody other than the people responsible. All right, well, listen, right, God Gary. bless you, Bob, and yours too. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you to you and your family as well. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to be cynical about it, but I mean, seriously, that you know, where he got it is irrelevant. It's the fact that he had a lifestyle going at the age of twelve that was doomed to end in tragedy, and it did. Um, and the fact that it's six years old and it's still being brought back up into newspapers, especially in twenty twenty, with everything we've gone through with policing and with allegations and racial divides and so on in 2020 for this to to come out now it's just um it's and for them to report on it the way they did that is irresponsible final segment coming up on am 1420 the answer Answer is 1420 AM, 102.5 FM, and on radio.com. Yes, indeed. It's been quite a program. I didn't expect the Tamir Rice conversation to carry as long as it did, but I think people feel the same way I do. A lot of people feel the same way I do. It's almost journalistic malpractice, let alone irresponsibility, for them to to portray the six-year-old crime, or excuse me, to portray the six-year-old case that they wanted to see as a crime rather than police officers responding to a threat in the best way that they knew how uh, due to their training and to the situation as it presented itself. Um, for the media to do what they're doing with it is just it's criminal. 
So I do appreciate everybody's input on that. Let's go back to the phones for a couple of more here before the top of the hour. Um, Frank in Brook Park on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Frank. You're on the air. Go right ahead. Thank you. Merry Christmas. I have a prayer, a prayer of command, and it's to reelect Donald Trump. I hope it works next week. Uh, exorcist Father Chad Ripperger asked us to say this until the election is resolved, whichever way. In his name and by the power of his cross and blood, I ask Jesus to bind any evil spirits, forces, and powers of the earth, air, fire, or water, of the netherworld, and the satanic forces of nature. By the power of the Holy Spirit and by his authority, I ask Jesus Christ to break any curses, hexes, or spells, and send them back to where they came from, if it be his holy will. I beseech thee, Lord Jesus, to protect us by pouring thy precious blood on us, which thou hast shed for us, and I ask thee to command that any departing spirits leave quietly, without disturbance, and go straight to thy cross to dispose of as thou seest fit. I ask thee to bind any demonic interaction, interplay, or communications. I place my family, the United States of America, and President Donald Trump under the protection of the blood of Jesus Christ, which he shed for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. God bless. Frank, thank you for that. You know, I mean, it's, I appreciate your call, too. I, uh, I am so unqualified to do anything religious. Uh, I'm a Catholic. I'm a Christian. Uh, but I'm, 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 a, I'm a regular guy. Uh, I am, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't take Bible study classes. I'm not a preacher. But sometimes there are things that are said like that that I just want to echo, and I really, really do mean that. Everything that Frank just said, we need God's blessings. I said this in the last hour, uh, and again, at the risk of uh, redundancy, I'm not you know, uh, qualified to, to speak on matters like this, but I believe it is still God's will that is going to save this republic. It's just that he is not going to come down in the form of the burning bush he is not going to bring another flood he is not going to you know allow uh, anyone to part any seas it's not going to be that type of visible uh, imposition of his will but i do believe that god in giving us the wisdom that we have and giving us the ability to uh, make right that which is wrong uh, i think it's through that that god's will will be done that's really all I want to say, like I said, because I just feel so uncomfortable speaking in any way, like I'm on 1220. I'm not, and I'm not qualified to be, to be honest with you. But I do, uh, I do want to say that I believe God's will will be done, and I love the prayer that Frank just gave, beseeching him to, uh, uh, to allow us, again, not to maneuver the chess pieces around the board, but to allow us to do the right things for ourselves and for our country. I want to remind you, by the way, we are live on tomorrow's program. Uh, actually thought about giving you a best of show tomorrow. We have a best of show for you on Friday for New Year's Day, which is the celebrated holiday. But tomorrow we are going to be live. Jack Windsor will be on. Dr. Everett Piper will be on. And you know what I'm going to do with Dr. Piper? And the reason I'm bringing it up now is I'm going to, cause he is a much more of a theologian than I am. He is a, uh, you know, he's an event evangelical Christian and he is a very, very well versed biblical scholar. He will quote you chapter and verse things that I cannot do. And we'll talk about that. We'll talk about God's role in undoing the damage that has been done to this country and to this world by, uh, you know, racial strife, division, politics, 
and health with respect to COVID. Sometimes they intersect one another. But the damage that has been done in 2020 is we flipped the calendar to 2021 on Friday. How much of a role will God play? Or is God going to sit back and watch and say, you made this bed, you have free will, fix it yourself? Uh, I, I just, uh, I, I'm very interested to see how uh, other people feel about that. So Dr. Everett Piper will join us on tomorrow's program to, uh, to discuss that. And as we wrap this one, <clears throat> excuse me. And as we wrap this one up, I want to uh, follow up on my last uh, interview with uh, Congressman Johnson this morning and say this. I don't know how it's going to play out today on the Senate side, but I do not want to uh, let the decision that is going to be made on, you know, in, uh, with respect to our $2,000 stimulus checks, I don't want any of this to reflect the wrong way on the president. What Congressman Johnson said in his remarks to me were, look, we just did what the president asked us to do. When I asked him why he voted for that stimulus bill, we did what the president asked us to do. Combine the COVID stimulus payment with the government funding omnibus bill. And then when the president said he didn't like it, he didn't want any of that spending to be done, he just wants the increases, well, we couldn't do that uh, because he is the one who told us to combine it. And I said, well, the president seems to be, you know, in line here with AOC, with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and wanting, without restrictions, these uh, these uh, uh, payments to go from 600 to $2,000. So I want to end this by clarifying. From my vantage point, I think there has been a little bit of chaos as the president's time has, and his White House advisors has been divided by in the last month uh, trying to undo the theft of the election while at the same time doing his job and leading. It's my opinion, and only my opinion, that there was a little bit of confusion between the President and the Treasury Secretary Mnuchin, who spoke to Bill Johnson and the rest of those in the House that were responsible for the legislation, and that perhaps the President's will was not necessarily expressed properly. I don't pin this on President Trump but I don't want anybody to pin it on Mitch McConnell or the Senate that are going to continue to correct this thing today. If you do anything with respect to these uh, dollars going from 600 to $2,000, which is what everybody wants, if you, if you pin the blame on anybody other than the liberal Democrats who threw that spending in there, then I think you're doing a disservice to the president. The president may have given mixed messages on whether or not he wanted the bill to be passed, but it's very clear at the end of the day that he does not want to sacrifice um, the needs of the American people who have suffered so terribly under this uh, the response, the governmental response to this pandemic. He does not want to see them sacrificed in order to uh, in order to uh, do what is right by way of the spending bill. So let's just put it that way. There is blame to be found here, and there may be some strange bedfellows being made here, but there is blame to be found, and it's found on the left side of that political aisle. So today it's going to be, you know, look, the Congress ends on January 3rd. You realize that, right? So today this is all going to be settled one way or the other, whether it's passed or not. We'll react to it on tomorrow's program. Uh, But don't pin it on President Trump. Don't pin it on Mitch McConnell. Pin it where it belongs on the Democrats. Okay, that's it. I'm done. Uh, Mike Gallagher's show is next. Stay here for that, for Kirk, for Prager, for Gorka, and the rest. All day long, if you're looking for the best political analysis, whether it be the end of the year or the start of the new one, you stay right here on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll see you tomorrow. Be blessed.
Enjoy the silence.